It ain't the left side or the right side, then it must be the fence side. Thank you, Solo D. Welcome to another episode of On the Fin Side here with Kat and Paul Pickin. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. The Dolphins are playing the Saints bright and early in London this weekend because where else would you rather go but London to play a football game after you're coming off one of the worst losses you've had in several years for the Miami Dolphins, losing 20 to 7, 20 to 6, excuse me, to the Jets last week. No real injuries to report. Mike Pouncey was held out of practice with a hip injury. Big surprise there, but he should play. The Saints will get Willie Sneed, wide receiver, back from a three-game suspension. Not many injuries to note on their part either. The Saints are coming off a crushing 34-13 win over the Carolina Panthers. Paul, here we are, 1-1. One one. The Dolphins have a pretty tough schedule coming up, starting with the Saints here. This early in the season, week four, is this a game the Dolphins have to win? I think it is for moral purposes. Given how poorly everything went down this past week, I think Miami really needs to get their head right with this game. And I will say, I, I'm not going to throw the defenses under the bus because I think I, I was ready to during that Jets game review. I look back at it, and I mean, yeah, the defensive backs have left a little bit to be desired, but with how good Miami's been against the run, and that's including Chase Allen, Mike Hall, Kiko Alonso, the front four, even, even though we've had a few folks that haven't performed up to stuff. I can't fully fault the defense here. It's the offense that really needs to get their head out of their ass in this game. Yeah, they do. I mean, Jay Cutler in the offense in the first half against New York, 42 yards. I mean, this it, it was a pathetic showing. Don't let the stats sheet fool you on that. I mean, the last two drives were basically all the Dolphins' yards in that game. They need to be able to spread the field and take advantage of these one-on-one matchups because looking back at, at the Saints in the first two games, Sam Bradford and Tom Brady spread the field and just shredded them. 57 for 71, six touchdowns, no interceptions, a quarterback rating of 146 in those two games. The Saints go to Carolina last week, just shellac them, and the reason for that very simply is Cam Newton is not a quarterback that spreads the field and picks you apart. He, he wants to go down methodically. And frankly, I think Cam Newton's becoming a pretty terrible quarterback in today's NFL. So interesting matchups all around. But when you look at one matchup I like is at defensive end, their defensive end, and a huge part of their defense is Cameron Jordan, their multiple-time pro bowler. He's going to go up against Juwan James, who doesn't seem to let up any sacks. He lets up very few pressures every week. So, Paul, the Saints may struggle to pressure Jay Cutler in this game. One can hope. The Jets' front four was, was a very good front four, but you look at the Saints' front four, and outside of Cameron Jordan, they're nowhere near what the Jets have on the defensive line. The one position of strength outside of safety for the Jets. So, looking at that, this is a game that if Miami cannot do something against the Saints' defense, and as you said, be able to spread that ball around, that's the time to start throwing up red flags all over the place, truly, because the Saints' defense has been a defense that, as much as Miami's struggled to put an offensive line that's functional together, the Saints have really struggled to put together a defense that has any form of functionality whatsoever for years as well. So, really, it's kind of weakness against weakness, strength against strength in this scenario. 
It is, and I'll, but I'll tell you what. I mean, last week the Jets, even though they have a better defense than the Saints have, at least in my opinion, Saints didn't have a great defense either, and they're shutting out the Dolphins for the first 58 minutes of the game. This offense needs to respond big time. Adam Gase has has called their play embarrassing, and I couldn't agree with him more. He's actually called it embarrassing the last two years, which shows how, how high his standards are. That's one good thing about Adam Gase. Heads typically roll when the Dolphins are playing as poorly as they did last week. Paul, on the defensive side of the ball, Drew Brees is doing Drew Brees-like things this year. Six touchdowns, no interceptions. Quarterback rating of over 109. He's been picking apart everybody. The Saints have the ability, with their three-headed running back monster, with Michael Thomas and, and former Dolphin Ted Ginn and Willie Sneed, to really spread the field here. What do you think the Dolphins have to do defensively? As goofy as it sounds, the big worry for me in this game is Ted Ginn because he's probably going to be lining up against Bobby McCain and Alteron Werner and Michael Thomas, guys that aren't fully known for covering a burner threat. So Ginn's found his little niche uh, around the league since he's left the Dolphins. And with a quarterback like Drew Brees, Brees will uncork it. So the defensive line has to put constant pressure on Brees and give the secondary a chance to make plays by doing so. That's going to be one of the biggest keys in this game. Here's something I'll make you throw up here. In 2008, when Tony Sperano took over the Dolphins, Josh McCown was the Dolphins' starting quarterback before Chad Pennington came in, and the Dolphins' top wide receiver was Ted Ginn. How fitting it would be if those two came back and burned the Dolphins back-to-back weeks. You're you're right, Paul. Ted Ginn has turned into a very good deep throw. Maybe one-dimensional but still very good deep threat. And I saw last week with the Saints, their offense was pretty simple in what they did. They threw a lot of screen passes to running backs, a lot of intermediate passes to Willie Sneed and to Michael Thomas, and then they would take two or three shots a game with Ted Ginn. I think that's what the Dolphins can expect in this matchup too. The key thing here for me defensively for the Dolphins, stop blitzing every time. If you're not getting pressure with your front four, you may want to bring somebody up send them to the quarterback, but you cannot have your sending six or seven people to the quarterback against Drew Brees because he's going to do one of two things. He's either going to throw a screen pass to the running back, and that running back is going to have nobody to dodge on the way down the field, or he's just going to dump the ball over the middle. I'm not 100% with you. I don't want to see them blitzing heavily. But one thing that Miami has actually done a really good job of especially since Gase came to town with the talent they have on that defensive line. When they blitz somebody, they typically drop a defensive lineman into coverage. And it's very short coverage, which puts them in an opportune position to cover that screen game. And we've seen a lot of interceptions come out of that. Jordan Phillips has a couple of them. Cameron Wake has a couple of them. You know, and you look at some of those and it's like, you know, maybe one or two blitzes, especially given – as good as Mike Hall or Chase Allen or Kiko Alonso have been overall against the run, even though a couple of them have gotten washed out a few times. They haven't been fantastic defending the pass. So maybe having one of them blitz here and there and dropping Jordan Phillips if he's healthy or Cam Wake or Davin Godchow into a little bit of coverage here may not be a bad thing because they may be in the opportune, unexpected position to really start taking away from those screen passes and getting a couple of turnovers to put that offense in even more position to succeed. 
Well, if that's the case, then I want to see Andre Branch and Charles Harris be those guys dropping into coverage. They're a little bit more that that DN slash linebacker type of player. Uh, Cameron Wake, something about it just doesn't look right when he's dropping back into coverage when he needs to be getting after the quarterback. But, yeah, it's an interesting observation because the Panthers last week were having no success against Drew Brees in that screen pass because they were when they were blitzing, sending everybody to the quarterback. Paul, what else jumps out for you in this matchup here? Miami really needs to do the things that they did last season that started making the offense click. I realize they don't have Ryan Tannehill. We all miss him at this point, I think. Anybody that says they don't, I don't understand it, but good for you. But they need to start taking guys like Damian Williams, Marquise Gray, Jakeem Grant, Things we've been saying since early on in the preseason, Miami was built to do and do those things. Bring them in, even if it's for a handful of plays that you run something special here and there, A, to distract and set up, and B, to actually get some functional yards. Because the typical vanilla, as you pointed out in our last episode, Joe Philbin-esque offense that they've run these first two weeks, that doesn't get the job done even against the pretty poor defense like the Saints. It is Joe Philbin-like. I mean, that's the way the offense has looked the first few weeks. And I understand the Dolphins have a quarterback that's only been on the team for a month. I mean, I think that was stupid to begin with, but that's a whole different show. I mean, you've got a lot of different parts here on offense in terms of weapons. And I kind of thought that was the plan heading into the year. Where, yeah, we're going to have Parker Stills, Ajayi, and Landry out there most of the time, but we're going to throw Anthony Fasano out there and go go run heavy, or we're going to put Jakeem Grant out there for some end-arounds. We just quite haven't seen that yet, and the Dolphins need to start showing some of this in this game against a, a an opponent that's pretty weak on the defensive side of the ball. So it's a big matchup, and I'll tell you, I, I do think that this is, is a game the Dolphins absolutely must win. Because I'll tell you, if they go to one and two, in this contest, you've got a very good Titans team playing next week who crushed the Dolphins last year, who match up very well with them and are looking really solid so far in this season. Then you've got the Raiders the week after that. I mean, you could one in one in one with a loss to the Jets very easily could fall to two and three or one and four. And I got news for you. Dolphins aren't coming back from that this year. They need to start getting it done now. We, we saw last year that once they started clicking, Things went well. I'm very interested, in, in, and I'm going to go back to something you said early in the episode, to see if Gase starts sending a message this week by sitting one or two people here and there that may be underperforming. I wouldn't be shocked, even though it might be a struggle, if we see Tunsil benched to send a little bit of a message his way at some point early on in this game, or if not, late in this game to send a message because he's one of those guys the key cornerstone for this offensive line. He needs to get it right for things to work, and he has not done so through the first two games of the season, and they need to do something to get that offensive line playing better. If you see that offensive line playing better, you'll start seeing Jay Ajayi spring a little bit more. You'll start seeing Jay Cutler a little more have a little more time to make his slow decisions with his slow windup and start hitting the, the weapons that Miami has. Miami has the best set of weapons that they've had in I don't even know how long. They really should be able to get a lot of things done on offense, and they're not thus far. They need to start doing something 
Yeah, Laramie Tunzel has not looked that good so far. I mean, I, he was a player I wasn't really all that worried about heading into the year. I still think he'll be a great player. You know, I think he's going to smooth those rough edges out. And I've actually got to take responsibility for it. You know, I, I didn't want to tell you this, but two weeks ago, I bought no. an authentic Laramie Tunzel jersey. And I wore it last uh, week. And I take full they, responsibility. Mm, so now, now we understand why... Why they, he's they playing so him. poorly? They, they, I guess, are, are, yeah. They now they really have to send a message for the for our listeners who don't know the backstory. I'm cursed with jerseys. I bought an authentic Jonathan Martin jersey months before that happened. I bought a Ryan Tannehill authentic jersey, and then uh, months later, the guy uh, got injured and hasn't played in the last uh, year and won't play for 21 months. So we'll hope that Laramie Tunzel here. Uh, breaks the the streak of the jersey, but so far that's not really working. So so we'll see what happens. But yeah, the, the Dolphins do have to turn it around here, because if not, I'll tell you what, it, this season could get out of hand very quickly. Lawrence Timmons is going to return for the Dolphins in this game. Should start at middle linebacker. Well, overall, when you when you take a look at what he's done and what kind of impact that he could make here, how do you take him returning to the lineup? At this point. I'm taking a little bit of a wait-and-see approach, but you know what? If if his teammates are willing to accept him back, I'm good with it. Miami needs some help at the linebacker position. I like the thought of him teaming up with Kiko and Chase Allen for this game. Very curious to see if, if Stephon Anthony there gets any action in this game. I thought we would have seen some previously, but you know, going up against his former team, it might be an ideal scenario for somebody to have a little bit of a breakout moment yeah there's there's i'm um, i'm gonna play wait and see with timmons it seemed like a very uncharacteristic snap for him and i don't know i i really don't it's it's an odd thing because he was mr iron man mr reliable mr i'm always out there every day and to just dip like that i i don't i don't fully understand it well i i took the wait and see approach for about a week that something really bad must have happened now i know that he was not in physical harm. His family was not in physical harm. He just got angry, left town, and went back to Pittsburgh because he was homesick before starting out. I'm sure there were other factors involved. I, I, for me personally, I, I would have loved it if the Dolphins slammed the door right in his face. He quit on the team, and he quit on the team the same way Ricky Williams did, the same way Jonathan Martin did, the same way Chidi Ahanatu did. And I put him exactly in that territory. I don't see how I'm going to change my opinion on that. But I will say, it does make the Dolphins better on paper. You know what, though? It, it's, to be fair, he might have quit on the team, but really the entire team seemed to quit on the team last week. I mean, one of the observations my dad made was coming out of the tunnel for the second half after playing a deadbeat first half. They were just kind of all strolling out nonchalantly, helmets off, not really seeming to care. And I don't know about you, but and I know you didn't play football, but you did, you did play a couple of sports, including – bowling um that's correct that was beta breath um but if if you were getting your ass handed to you you didn't just kind of go whatever let's just kind of mope around and hang out and have a good time whatever guys whatever and that's what the dolphins strolled out of the tunnel with yeah well let me tell you let this be a lesson to mike tannenbaum chris greer adam gase and the rest of the miami dolphins fan base here's why the whole myth about 
well, you got to take care of your own players. You got to pay your own players. And let's go after quality names out there in free agency. And let's 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 add four or five big pieces in free agency. What tends to happen at that point is you have an old roster of players that have been paid. And if they lose, it's really not that big of a deal to them. I always want the Dolphins roster to be young, to be hungry, and to be going after that next contract. I don't see that type of roster right here. And that, that to me, I don't see a team being able to pull together and come through here. I hope that's why if the Dolphins don't turn something around very quickly here, it might be for the better after the 2017 season that you cut a lot of these players and get some younger, hungrier players in here with something to prove. We're not at that point yet, but if you lose to the Saints, you're starting to get dangerously close to that point. So, Kat, now that we've gone through all our positive spin for this game, what's your prediction? I see the Dolphins losing this game, I'm going to say 27-20. to I think they're going to put up some points on the board. They're going to move the ball offensively and it's going to be pretty close throughout this contest. Late in the game, I see Drew Brees pulling it away, uh, 27-20 Saints. I hate to say this. Uh, we're, we're fairly close in terms of this. I, I hate saying it. But at the same time, I think this is going to be the game that as the game wears on, we start to see that light at the end of the tunnel. We see some improvement from the team, but unfortunately I've got them falling just short against this team that they should be able to beat if they had their head on straight. And for me, it's going to be a 20-17 to 17 Saints victory. And, God, it feels painful to say that. Well, I mean, it's that's kind of how we're feeling right now. And, hey, next week, if the Dolphins pull this out, we're singing a different tune. And I hope that resembles how Dolphins fans feel. Hey, look, Dolphins just lost to one of the worst teams in the league, if not the worst team in the league. And they didn't lose by a little. They got crushed. So hopefully that was a wake-up call for them. But you always know here on the Finn side, you're going to get the honest truth, not some PC bullshit way of saying it. So anyway, for this uplifting episode of the Miami Dolphins preview against the New Orleans Saints, that'll do it for Paul and I. You can follow us on Facebook. Twitter, Spreaker, iTunes, YouTube, and on iHeartRadio. Follow us next week where we will break down not only the Saints game, but also the Dolphins' upcoming matchup against the Tennessee Titans. And if it's not on the right side and it's not on the left side, it is on the fifth side. Solo D, take us home. It ain't the left side or the right side, and it must be the fifth side. side. It ain't the left side, left side or the right, right side, and it must be the fifth side. Listen, Dolphins fans across the land all tuning in to see what Brian Cat and Paul about to do again. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. 
Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com.